Welcome once again to the Fantasy Injury Team Podcast. We are the fit team here to deliver you the sharpest and best injury analysis available and help you win your fantasy football league. I'm your host, Joe D'Amico, and with me today is Tom Christ, the great doctor of physical therapy. Tom, how are you? And when the heck are you going to cut that long head of hair of yours? <laughs> oh, don't you like it? It's nice. Um, no, I actually might get it trimmed up pretty soon. Um, it's still going to be long. Don't worry. It'll still be long, but I might get it trimmed up soon. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, man. You got a decent flow going there, Tom. I, I appreciate it. I respect the flow. Never worked for me. A couple of years back, try to grow my hair out, have the, the classic comb over during those days. And let's just say I'm never doing that again. And we're never going back uh, down that path. <laughs> I, I would like to see you try that. That I want to see what that looks like. We can resurface some pictures and I'm pretty sure that you'll have throw up in your mouth and you're not going to want to see it. So we'll continue this, this classic look for, for me here. So, all right, just me and you today, Vim will join us in a little bit. Um, before we start here, just want to tell a quick little story. I mean, in fantasy football, as we know, Tom, it's a world of heartbreak and injury. I mean, I just lost freaking Cooper cup in my main league. I want to jump in a hole and I don't know what I'm going to do with myself, but unpredictable man so somebody just shared with me a pretty funny story that some of you guys out there might be on the positive end of or might be on the negative end of so obviously I'm a high school teacher my athletic director Dan at my high school called me up yesterday and told me about his fantasy matchup he's like I have to tell you about this so classic game so he had Dan had Dallas Goddard opponent had Devontae Smith Dan my athletic director was up a couple points going into the game but as we know I mean of course you know Eagles fan Smith went off, had a really good game, had a whole bunch of catches. And then on that play, which we'll talk about later, that Dallas Goddard got hurt on. He caught the ball and then he fumbled it. He was knocked out of the game. So at that point right there, Dan, again, my athletic director was down 0.2. So we just turned the TV off, went to bed. He's like, all right, my night's over. I mean, I've had plenty of nights like that where I just storm off into the bedroom pissed. But he went to bed way and too uh, many. way, way too, too many. many. I'm over fantasy football. I'm never doing this again. Down point two injury. So went to bed losing. And then, of course, the, the crazy last play of the game where Devontae Smith, I guess, quote unquote, fumbled when they were trying to pull off the miracle at the end. He woke up like expecting to see that he lost. Woke up to a win. He couldn't be happier. <laughs> That's <laughs> Just the amazing. most lucky thing ever. He was like laughing and telling me about the story. I'm like, that is awesome. <laughs> but I wonder how many people that that negatively affected. Oh, that. I'm sure. I'm sure there was plenty. I'm sure there was plenty. Imagine going to bed thinking that you won the other guy and then you wake up and see what happened there. So, yeah, I didn't even uh, as soon as like we. um Oh, how did that game end? I, I didn't stay up for that. I went to bed like right after our last drive. Um, and then I didn't even realize that that happened until like halfway through yesterday when I'm like, oh, we lost by more than. Yeah, the end of the, dude, the end of the game was absolutely wild. I don't know if you saw it, but the the rough in the passer at the end of the game, the Eagles. Oh, yeah, had... yeah no, I know. I saw all that. I went to oh, bed so you... after that. Oh, you went to bed once again. That's exactly when I turned it off, too. I was like, all right, the game's over. And it was over. But of course, the Eagles try to do their miracle and then. You know, I feel like the over also hit on that too. There's so many unpredictable. Oh, oh, I think it did. I'm not sure, but there's always so many question marks. But I just wanted to share that story. Now, if that story negatively affected you guys at home, we apologize. But uh, <laughs> it was just a it was just a funny one, and and just shows how unpredictable it is. And I'm trying to stay in good spirits with the, with this Cooper Cup news. But let's dive in, Tom. Let's start to talk about injuries. Just me and you today. But listen, we got a lot to uncover here, a lot to unwrap. So let's get into it here. Feel like. So many marquee players got hurt this week. It was like uh, coming off of and 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 of course the week before it was very quiet on the injury front. So so in a way we kind of knew that this was going to happen. It's unfortunate and it's going to be tough because another this week four teams on bye and we'll talk a little bit about bye weeks later on. Um, but it just a lot of detrimental injuries here and a lot of just downright fantasy impact for the tight end position to running backs and. This is kind of the time, Tom, where it's it's time to shape your team. This is kind of the final push. We're about to get into the playoffs. And whether you're a team that's on top right now and feeling good, you want to solidify that team. If you're in the middle, you want to make that playoff push and make sure that you're in. Because listen, I know it's crazy. When you're in, anything can happen. You could have the quote-unquote six best team. You can make it. Or again, Tom, we talked about if you have a losing punishment or a really bad punishment, if you lose the league, 
you better strap in and get your team ready for that endeavor. So there's just always an implication, at least to me. Um, but again, let's get into it here. So first one is Kyler Murray. He is day-to-day with a hamstring, but he looks like he will return this week. I think if he starts, you play him. But does it look like he is going to start, Tom? What do you got on Kyler? Uh, it's not too optimistic, um, but he he may play. But the issue is he plays Monday. So if you are planning on starting him, you have to make sure that you have Colt McCoy on your roster or they play San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo may be available on waivers as well. He would probably be the better play out of those two. The um, the concern that we talked about this last week is the hamstring is going to affect Kyler in two ways. One is the obvious one with rushing. So this season he averages 6.5 carries a game for 40 yards. And quite a few of those are designed runs, QB draws, QB sweeps, et cetera. I imagine that Arizona would reduce the amount of those that they're, they're doing with Kyler per game or per, per this game, just because they don't want the hamstring to linger. The other way is, and again, I still haven't seen any reports on if it's his right or his left leg, but if it's his right leg, that's going to affect his ability to generate power when he pushes off the throw. So some of those deep balls or when he needs to fit into a tight window could be a little less powerful. So I'm a li- I kind of disagree with you. I don't know that if he starts, you play him because I, I think a good part of his game, which is the running will be limited and San Fran's got a stout defense. So I think pivot if, if there's a reasonable option to pivot to, if not, make sure you have either McCoy or Garoppolo on your bench ready to switch to them if needed. And to those points, Tom, it is tough that it's a Monday night game. So again, make sure that you either have an IR slot for him if he's out or that you have a roster spot available for Colt McCoy because you don't want to come to the point where he's out and then you have to be forced to bench Kyler Murray. So just make sure that you clear that up before that game goes on. Now, one more strategic move. If you're playing against the guy who has Kyler Murray, you may want to go ahead and snag McCoy or Garoppolo so that way they can't. That's a little sneaky little tricky thing that you can do if the situation permits. About 50 minutes from now, I'm going to scramble to do that in my league or in any league before my friends hear this and before it is published. That's a great idea, Tom. Always thinking about the other side. Um, just some implications for the Cardinals in general. Tom, Con- James Conner, man, he looks like, you know, first game back to what we think is full health. Looked like the absolute workhorse again. They released, you know, 96% of snaps. Ridiculous. Outrageous. That's like Saquon Barkley-esque stuff right there. 21 carries. The All the other running backs on the team, a total of one carry. So if you got Conner, you're in luck. He looks great. We'll talk a little bit about Marquise Brown in a minute here. But even I think with... Marquise Brown coming back soon. Rondell Moore is a rock solid option. I would not be scared to play him, even if Marquise Brown is back. I think it was a little bit of a slow start for Rondell, but his last three weeks, he has 24 catches on 31 targets, 255 yards and a touchdown. Last three weeks, Rondell's averaging 14.9 fantasy points per game, half point PPR. I think that's really solid. So while we're at it, Let's go way over to Marquise Brown, and we could also talk about Zach Ertz. Maybe we'll kind of bunch them here together, Tom. But Zach Ertz from that same team, knee injury, really, really unfortunate news there. He's out for the rest of the year. And then after, maybe you want to talk about Marquise Brown, who looks like he has a chance to play with a foot injury. So what are the, what's the deal with those guys? Uh, Ertz has always been one of my favorite players. I hate to see this. Um They haven't told us what his knee injury is, but they have told us he's got two opinions now from two different uh, orthopedic physicians, both agreeing that he needs surgery. Season's over. The initial reports were that his ACL was not a concern, and the the field tests for the ACL called the Lachman's and the anterior drawer tests, they're very reliable, like up to like 90, off the top of my head, I want to say somewhere between 96 and 99% accurate. Um, but that's not a hundred percent. So it could be an ACL injury. Other possibilities would be a, a grade three PCL injury that kind requires surgery. Whereas like Julio Jones, uh, Ezekiel Elliott last year and, uh, Dalton Schultz this year, they did not, they have PCL injuries, but not grade three. So not the type that requires surgery. 
potentially a meniscus injury that requires a repair. That would be a more significant meniscus injury or a fracture or even like a, a really severe MCL injury sometimes, sometimes rarely need surgery, but we don't know. So we'll have to keep looking out for reports on what tissues are injured to give you a um, perspective of what to expect for next season. What kind of worries me with that, Tom, to your points is, is I just checked, he's 32. So I'm just concerned with his future. I mean, Kelsey, I think is right up there, but Kelsey's a unicorn and he's his own unique guy. But Ertz, uh, for me, after a big knee injury, again, you said it's, we still don't know yet, but the age to me, as we know, is a huge indicator of recovery time explosiveness after the injury. That's what is going to concern me just in like a dynasty setting or even for future redraft next year. Yeah. You're spot on. The age is certainly going to make it harder to return from a major surgery like this. Um, it's going to make it harder to get range of motion back to get the strength back everything. So he was playing so well this year and, and I think he can come back and be helpful for a team an NFL team remains to be seen if he can be helpful for your fantasy team like kind of like not not comparable from an injury standpoint but like jason witten late in his career he wasn't the fantasy tight end that he used to be but he was still moving the chains and you know being fairly productive and um you know Ertz is he's also just a savvy veteran leader like good guy to have in the locker room so i don't doubt that he'll be playing again i just don't know how fantasy relevant he'll be Sounds good. And how about Marquise Brown? What do we think his deal is? He was he was phenomenal for a nice stretch of the year and then kind of forgotten about, stashed on IR. But what, what are we thinking about his possible return this week? So I'm going to advise to pump the brakes on him for now. I know there's reports like Kingsbury saying, oh, he might play this week. I think that's coach speak. I think he's saying that just so their opponent needs to prepare for him. I don't imagine the Marquise Brown will actually play this week. He's four weeks out from his foot fracture. Fractures take about four to six weeks to heal. And there's complications when it's a foot fracture because you can't weight bear through it for usually four weeks. So he's probably just starting to weight bear now. He's probably just getting out of either a cast or a boot. Now, when you're immobilizing a cast or a boot, you get stiff and you get weak very, very, very fast. So if we're assuming that he's just weight-bearing, just getting out of the caster boot now, he's just starting to regain his mobility and his strength. And that's going to be a challenge for someone who is so quick, so agile, so explosive. They, he needs adequate mobility in his foot, not just his ankle going up and down, but these little tiny subtle motions in the foot. And the strength is going to be a challenge to get back as well. That will definitely come back like stiffness sometimes can linger for a while strength that he'll definitely be able to get back but it, it's not going to be in a couple of days it's going to be in a couple of weeks so i would find it hard to believe that he plays this week i would find it hard to believe he's effective in the next two or three weeks but he could be setting up to be effective around week 15 16 i could see him close to 100 percent then just in time for fantasy playoffs going to be tough calls if he comes back and plays like limited snaps or if he the following game he puts up like seven fantasy points and then it's like up oh, playoffs what do we do but what me and you will do tom is continue to address that and follow him and look at his progress and then i'm sure you're always active on twitter we'll send some updates at him we'll just keep talking about you know him on the pod the other thing, it's hard to expect him, even without the injury, to be as productive as he was because Rondell Moore was out for the first couple games and Hopkins was out for the first six games. So it was it was Brown and it was Ertz, and that was it, really. Now Ertz is gone, which is unfortunate, but it does help Brown's target share, I would imagine. But there's still Hopkins and Moore there. And Hopkins' target share is outrageous, and I don't think that that's going to decline very much because it's been so productive. Dude, and Moore's target share has been really good too. I do think with him coming back, with Marquise Brown coming back, Moore's affected a little bit. But again, last three weeks, 31 targets for Rondell Moore. That's no joke, man. That's real solid. And just to wrap up here with Arizona, a another hot name has been tight end rookie Trey McBride. People thinking that, well, he will, of course, step into the starting role there. But I just, you use pump the brakes. I want people out there to pump the brakes on him. We just know about rookie tight ends that they're usually not overly successful. 
I don't expect Trey McBride to come in and dominate and, and eat six to eight targets a game, however many targets Ertz was getting. I think Trey McBride will be a good football NFL player, and I think he has a future in the league. I'm just not loving Trey McBride. He's been like a hot name I'm seeing everywhere. Trey McBride, I've seen people claim him as a league-winning tight end. For me, I'm out on it. Uh, I think he's a talented guy, probably going to be held into block more than we think, especially with Marquise Brown coming back. All right, let's pop over to Ezekiel Elliott, who did not play last week, has a knee injury. I got a whole bunch to say on this situation, Tom, but you start us off here. I'm sure you do. You already know, broken record alert, I'm about to talk about Tony Pollard. So if you don't (laughs) want to hear about Tony Pollard and Zeke's injury, fast forward about two or three minutes on this podcast. (laughs) But I guarantee Tom's got something good to say. What's up Joe, you have been on your mountain all year about how Zeke is washed and Pollard's the guy. And and you're I said not- it in I said it in June and July yeah. and August, but it doesn't matter because Jerry Jones is <laughs> Jerry Jones. Yeah, good luck, get, good luck getting him to change his mind. I uh, wish I could tweet at him. I don't even know if he has Twitter or if he even knows what what that is, but I don't know. You, <laughs> you could tweet at the Dallas Cowboys official uh Twitter account. I'm, I'm you know what, sure Joe? They'll want to hear what I have to say, Joe. You know what? You know what? I think you would appreciate. Why don't you write him an old-fashioned handwritten letter? I will get a carrier pigeon to bring it to him, and he will he will appreciate that. I'll slip a five dollar bill in there. <laughs> I, th- I think that might be your best bet. Probably is. <laughs> probably is. But why don't you tell us about Zeke? Like, what is is he going to be back this week? Because then we don't even need to have this conversation if he's not going to play. But what do you think? What, what he's he's him? he's trending that direction. Uh, so the good thing about the MCL is it has a really good blood supply, so it heals pretty well. He's about three weeks post injury now, and that's kind of a, a reasonable time frame to return from playing. And he's he's been practicing a little. Here's an interesting stat professional. So a lot of these, a lot of studies on professional athletes for any kind of orthopedic injury is oftentimes on professional soccer players. Cause there's like a million professional soccer leagues over in Europe. So with professional soccer players, 71% of them return to full prior function, which is a pretty good number. So that bodes well for Zeke's outlook running backs in the NFL average 3.1 points per game below their pre injury baseline fantasy points in the first game back with only 36% meeting or exceeding that number. So while a lot of athletes return to hundred percent, it's usually not right away for running backs at least. So it's hard to really trust him this week, but I think for the rest of the season outlook is pretty much where he was prior to injury, like an okay, okay, okay. RB two flex, some weeks, but also going to get you like six points if he doesn't score. Okay. I think all excellent points. And to your point, he's averaging right now 10.6. And what did you say? Running backs average their first game back from this about three points less. Yes. So you're looking at seven points. Can Zeke go up and put up 20? Absolutely. Can he go up and put zero? Absolutely. But we always like to err on the side of not caution, but of the facts. So according to our factual research that we do, He's going to score about seven points. We'll see how that goes. So before we move on from this, again, a broken record alert, man. Tony Pollard is just exponentially better. This will be my little rant of the day, and then we'll move forward here. So I looked it up. In five career starts, only five times Tony Pollard started. 56 rushes for 329 yards. Keep this in your head, guys. 5.9 yards per carry. That's tremendous. 5.9 yards per carry. Also in those five starts, 13 catches for 109 and six touchdowns, more than a touchdown a game. Now let's go back to that number, 5.9. Okay, let's let's just put things into perspective here. And I hope Jerry Jones finds this and listens to this. LT, the classic Ladanian Tomlinson in 2006, he literally broke fantasy football, scored 28 rushing touchdowns. 28 rushing touchdowns. He averaged 5.2 yards per carry that year. Last year, Jonathan Taylor, in his huge season, averaged 5.5 yards per carry. This year, the leading NFL rusher is our boy, Saquon Barkley, 931 yards, averaging 4.7 yards per carry. The conclusion? I'm not saying Tony Pollard's better than those people. Of course not. But 5.9 yards per carry is so hard to ignore. And... I truthfully believe and hope 
that this is going to be the last year of Ezekiel Elliott's fantasy relevance. And by the way, just a side note, Zeke averaging a measly 4.1 yards per carry this year. I want Pollard. I want Pollard to eat. I want him to be fed the ball. Let me ask you this, Tom, real quick, and then we'll move on to the next one. Let's just say Zeke gets traded or dropped. or something. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but let's just say he's on the team. When does Tony, Tony Pollard go next year fantasy? Oh, Make it interesting. Make this, let's make this fun. I, I I don't see how he's not the late first round pick. I was about to say that. I was about to say like 10, 11, 12, somewhere at the turn. Um, I think he would be, here's the thing. He would be the one that some people would be like, oh yeah, he's got RB1 potential, like overall potential. Others would be like, well, he's been really e- efficient, but we haven't seen him carry the load entirely himself yes. for a whole season. So there would be that debate all summer long. And a lot of people would cite Alvin Kamara like, yeah, he didn't get a whole like a huge snap share his first several seasons. But look, he's been fine as an RB1. Others would cite like, honestly, the first one that comes to mind would be like Kenyon Drake, who was really, really efficient in a in a, a uh, split role early in his career. And then with Arizona, they attempted to make him the RB1, didn't really work out so much. But I, I would definitely favor the Camara side of that argument. Guess who took Kenyon Drake that one year in the first round? I think I had him ninth pick and he was <laughs> such a freaking bust. That was uh, me. I think another argument, another argument I see in here is that Pollard is only good in short bursts and that he's not going to be able to last the whole game. Well, how do we know? Every time he started a game, he's went off. Oh my gosh. I need to I need to relax myself a little bit. I mean, I'm I'm a Giants fan after all, and I'm I'm tooting. Tony Pollard all over the place, but I just love him. He's so much fun to watch. He's like an auto pick for me every single week in DraftKings. I don't even care if Ezekiel Elliott's playing or not, but I want to make a, I want to make a point real quick or, or really just an acknowledgement in 2006. Oh, what were we in? Were we in middle school? Maybe freshman in high school. I was 14. Well, yeah, I was the same age as you. Well, that's um, what I'm thinking. So we were in, <laughs> we were like freshman in high school. Okay. I remember in my league, it's which by the way is still the exact same guys in it today. Uh, my friend Mike Isaacman had Ladini Tomlinson on his team, and in the the fa- fantasy championship game, LT broke off like a seventy yard touchdown run, and my friend Mike was like, "Yeah, like I won, I won," and he gets called back for holding, and he ends up losing. <laughs> <laughs> That is horrendous. Oh my gosh. Um, I remember good stuff though. Do you remember that one game that Michael Vick had where he put up like 56 fantasy points? The first the classic Mike Vick game, the first Monday play, night game. First play, he dropped back and threw like a 90 Bombed yard it bomb to Deshaun, to Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Deshaun Jackson. It was, yeah. I think I lost that week or I lost <laughs> next week. I had Mike Vick on my team. I was so that that was with he when he was with the Eagles, and obviously I'm an Eagles fan. That yeah. was freshman year of college, and I was pledging. And I, I don't know why they made me do this, but some of the, the older brothers in the fraternity who are Redskins fans, because it was the Redskins at the time, made me come over and watch it with them. And they were so freaking mad. And I'm like, I'm on this pledge here, probably wearing my, my tie and all that stuff. And I'm just going, yeah, like, go birds. Yeah, you probably shouldn't have yelled go birds in front of your <laughs> in front of your soon to be fraternity brothers who, who had all the power at that point. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's move forward here. So actually another injury. Um, oh no, different team. Okay. Um, but Dallas Goddard, we were just talking about the Eagles so much. Uh, Dallas Goddard. So unfortunate news for him. Looks like he's going to miss extended time with a shoulder injury. Um, dude, he was a top five option. In fact, he was tight end number five. Looked really, really good this year, but this news really hurts them. I think it hurts their offense a little bit, but what's our verdict and what do you, what do you think? What are your opinions on Dallas Goddard? It looked painful. My goodness. They haven't officially told us what the injury is, but looking at the video, it it looks like it could be a shoulder dislocation. The way the defender lands on the top of the back of Goddard's arm, like arm bone, right where it goes into the socket. But the defender's other arm is actually around the front side of Goddard's upper arm. So it almost creates a little lever and then his body weight falling on the top of his shoulder could have pushed the humerus bone, the arm bone forward out of the socket. 
and especially seeing like you can see Goddard attempts to to reach for the ball and his left shoulder is just not moving. So a lot of times with dislocations, the bone then pushes on the nerve. So you that disrupts the ability to move the arm. It's exactly what happened when I dislocated my shoulder, uh, of course, playing the aggressive sport of volleyball. <laughs> Okay, well, I had no idea about that. And the only broken bone I've ever suffered in my life was freshman year in high school, speaking of that, in gym class, in volleyball. <laughs> What's going on here? Unbelievable. I wish I knew you then. All right. But anyway, uh, if that's the case, and I don't know for sure, but because they haven't told us anything, but that's what my best guess would be based off the video. There's pretty much always a labrum tear with a dislocation of the shoulder because the labrum helps secure the arm bone in the shoulder socket it literally attaches to both parts of the bones so if the one bone gets moved way far away from the other it causes a tear now that often is not as significant as that sounds although it can be pretty significant but i think dalvin cook has had his shoulder pop out like three four times over the past two years and he just pops it back in and keeps playing again if that is the case the risk for re-dislocation is certainly higher, but he's obviously on IR, so he'll be out the next four weeks, and he'll be rehabbing to try to improve the mobility and the strength of the rotator cuff muscles to help hold the arm bone in the socket. And he, I mean, he should be able to play through it. Again, I don't know if it's a shoulder dislocation, but if it is, he should be able to play through it. And it, it help help the Eagles make a playoff run, and then would probably have surgery in the off season. But when, if he plays again this year, I think he'll be able to play well. Like it's it's not going to impact his ability to get open. It's not going to impact his ability to run. He's not going to be out there if he can't move his arm well enough to catch the ball. So he could be. I mean, it sucks that he's out now, but it, he could be there to help you make a run in your fantasy playoffs. All righty. So let's talk a little bit of fantasy impact on that. Um, their official depth chart has Grant Calcaterra as their starter and Jack Stoll as their backup. <laughs> Can you confirm that, Tom? It's going to be this guy. I mean, the thing is, none of these guys are Dallas Goddard. No. So, so I don't like to see, like, even we'll get to the Cooper Cup situation shortly. Who's going to replace Cooper Cup? That's an extreme example. The answer is nobody. Nobody's him. And nobody's Dallas Goddard. Not that Dallas Goddard is this elite talent, but he's a good, he's solid very, tight very, end. very, very good. It's no, not I'm... like Grant or, or Jack Stoll are going to come in and and overwhelm us with with their talent unless something unless you see something different, Tom. And that's no, no. Uh, Stoll, I've I've liked in flashes. I, I believe he had a injury for most of last season. But no, it'll be AJ Brown. It'll be Devontae Smith. It'll be Quez Watkins. It might even be Gainwell out of the backfield. It's I don't see either of these tight ends being a viable replacement. I think you summed it up perfectly. This year stole four catches, 49 yards. Last year, the entire year, four catches for 22. And yeah, man, Quez Watkins, I think you could see a bump in targets, which are extremely valuable in this Eagles high-flying offense. Last week, he hauled in four catches for 80 yards. Dude, Devontae Smith, we talked about him earlier. I think he was already a good option, but now I think he's like a rock solid option going forward. Um, he's just been a little bit inconsistent. But listen, Monday night, aside for that bad fumble, which really wasn't his fault, he's trying to make a play for his team. Had eight targets, currently wide receiver 29 on the year. I think he's a great option. And then let's just pivot to this quickly here. If you had Dallas Goddard, or even going back, if you had um, some of the other tight ends that we, we've talked about so far, um, and, and there were a bunch this week, even late, you know Gerald Everett too, where do you go, though? So I just wrote a couple, and then, Tom, you could tell me what you think. Foster Moreau is one. I think he should be good without Waller. He scored last week. I think he's, he's a pretty decent option. And then I, I also go to Dawson Knox. I think he's a very low-end but safe option. You know, he gets six and four and three and four targets. He might be able to sneak in the end zone for you, but it's thin out there. It's really thin. I wrote Trey McBride. I know I talked a little bit down on him earlier. I think he could be okay, but I don't think he's going to be great. But where do you go, Tom? Like, who's your favorite streamer tight end for those that are struggling out there? Yeah, I, I like Moreau as well. Maybe it's just because the Raiders are always in that four o'clock slot. So I see a lot of their game, but it seems like Carr's always throwing it to him. Um, <clears throat> Jawan Johnson of the Saints is tight end eight right now. 
Wait, that's, excuse me. I think he's available right? in my life. Right? <laughs> that's an I didn't believe that, but all right. That's a true. solid option. That's not terrible. And then I like Hayden Hurst, especially with Chase, who we'll talk about later, probably out a few more weeks. Um, that could be a nice bridge between when Goddard comes back. Chase being out, I think at least two to three more weeks. Goddard out at least four weeks. Hurst could be a nice bridge. Because even when Chase comes back, that doesn't mean Hurst isn't going to do anything. Yeah, no, Hurst has been really good. Really solid. Very, very solid option. So, all right. I want Robert Tunyon to be him especially with all the weapons going down in Green Bay, but he just doesn't do it. He doesn't do it week in and week out. He gets two targets, one target. He's just not going to be the guy. So, Dan, I know you're listening out there. You're the one that really asked this question. Good, good luck finding the tight end and, uh, and, and do the best you can with it, and, and hopefully your boy Dallas Goddard can come back soon. Okay. How about a guy who might not be coming back soon? He's going to be out at least four games, put on the IR with a hip injury. And this one kind of came out of nowhere for me. I got the notification. It's Khalil Herbert. Surprisingly, running back 22 on the year. He's been putting together a really nice campaign. But what do we see for Herbert? Is there is there a world where he's out the rest of the year? Or is he possibly going to be coming back? What do you have on, on Khalil Herbert, Tom? Well, the reason you didn't realize it is because it was towards the end of the game on a the last kick return. So this brings us back to our question we've raised many times, Joe. How hard is coaching? Why are you putting a running back that's a huge part of your offense as your kick returner? Just stupid. Terrible. Terrible <laughs> risk. Absolutely pointless. I don't even know what was, what was the score of the game at that point. Well, it was a good game, I guess. They're looking to make a big play, but... Kick return I mean, is so dangerous. It is so dangerous. Punt return, kick return. Stupid. They haven't told us what the injury is, but um, he is, I believe he was put on IR, so he won't be back until week 15 or 16. I think I think 16, actually. And that makes it tough. So we don't know what his hip injury is, which makes it tough to analyze, but not coming back until week 16, that's playoffs typically don't like to trust a player in their first game after a four-week absence, especially if it's in a, a second running back in the offense. So you can't play him that week. But what you can do if you have the room to stash him and he's you've got other guys that are that are suitable, you can see how he does week 16. And if you make the championship week 17, then he could be an option. So in the interim, if you need the roster space, you can drop him. But if you are in a fortunate situation where you can just stash him on your IR, worth holding on to because he may be able to help you in like the championship game, but not much else. Dude, my IRs are getting heavy in every single week. <laughs> I need about six IR slots, I think, to be successful going forward. All right. So now what's going on in Chicago is that their third best runner is going to have to step up. And that, uh, that person is going to be David Montgomery. You could argue who's first, probably Justin Fields on that team, their best runner. Then it's Khalil Herbert, excuse me, Khalil Herbert. Then a large gap. And then here comes David Montgomery in that third spot. But listen, the Bears continue to engage in these losing shootouts. And as that's going to continue to happen, luckily, if you have Justin Fields or maybe you knew something that we didn't know, he is going to continue. I have exactly zero shares of him. And man, I wish I had more or any at all going to be a league winner their last three games man listen to this bears 49 29 lost to the cowboys 35 32 lost to the dolphins last week 31 30 lost to the lions absolutely unbelievable i'm taking the over this week in their game they do play the falcons who are going to establish the run for for 60 minutes but over under is 50 um but again Definitely some useful pieces in that offense. Justin Fields, of course. David Montgomery going to have to bear more of the load. Even Mooney's been quietly consistent. A really good flex play. Been averaging 9.7 points per game in the last five weeks. As our guy last week mentioned, man, Cole Komet has been on fire. Tight end number seven right now out of absolutely nowhere, dude. Last two weeks, nine catches on 13 targets, 115 yards, and a wild four touchdowns i don't think the touchdowns are sustainable of course not but i think commit's usage is for sure so the bears and unlikely we were discrediting them so much in the beginning of the year but now that they let fields loose letting him kind of do what he wants to do let him make more decisions they've been a really not good football team but a damn good offense for fantasy football 
Yeah, they really have been. For sure. Perfect transition to an offense that really hasn't been that good in fantasy football, um, and that's the Bucks. So Leonard Fournette has a hip injury, expected to be available for Week 12. So they do have a bye this week, but we're hoping to see him back. We had some questions on Fournette, so why don't we address those now, Tom? Diagnosed as a hip pointer, which is a very vague and non-descriptive diagnosis, but typically it's a bruise to the glutes or the bone, the hip bone, usually the, what's called the iliac crest, which is like when you hold your hands on your hips, you're holding it on the iliac crest. Bruising is going to lead to swelling, which can be painful, and it can inhibit muscle function, so the muscle can't contract as, as hard as it typically would. But as the swelling subsides, everything goes back to normal. There's no real structural damage, or everything should go back to normal. Sometimes you need to do some rehab to really enforce that, but not significant enough that it would cause him to miss a game or anything. Um, I expect him to be full go after their buy. All right. And Rashad White, and people want it to be Rashad White season. He hasn't been spectacular. Had 22 carries last week for 105. He's only averaging 3.7 yards a carry. Fournette averaging a very pedestrian 3.4 yards a carry. We've talked about this countless times. The Bucks' offensive line is the problem. They're broken. And you might want to proclaim Rashad White as some league winner, but I don't think he's going to be even, you know, he might be a flex play at that point. Uh, he just simply isn't because the Bucks' offense isn't great. They want to play slow um, and they want to run the ball as well. Okay. Completely agree. Injury number seven. We're about halfway through. The rest of these should go a little bit quicker, but uh, this one. Bring this, out the tissues for this one. This one, I want to just go really quick, but I just have so many thoughts and, and so many tears to shed. Cooper Cup, man, high ankle sprain. Went on IR, going to miss at least four games. I'm just so mad at their backup quarterback for the throw, John Wolford. What a awful, awful throw that he made to make Cooper Cup jump that high. Cornerback Marco Wilson, I thought that was the cheapest hit. Not that ever. was my first thought. It was a cheap, cheap hit. You know, the ball was 10 feet over his head. He diving at his legs, and he cleared the picture right away, Marco Wilson did. So I'm pissed about that. I'm pissed about a lot of things. And I'm assuming, Tom, that you don't have good news for me here with Cup. Um, well, I can spin it to be good news if you'd like. I, don't... I want the truth. I want the hard truth. Yeah. he did, It was announced today that he's going to have the tightrope surgery. So that's where that's a surgery for a severe high ankle sprain. Tua made it famous in college. Basically, the surgeon drills two holes through both the tibia and the fibula inserts a wire and pulls the bones together. So like we've talked about a high ankle sprain is when the tibia and the fibula of the two shin bones get pulled apart and the ligaments that connect them get sprained or, or torn. In order for them to heal properly, these two bones have to be put close together to allow the healing to happen. And with the more severe high ankle sprains, surgery is the best way to do it. So the tightrope is actually really, really, really effective. And it affords the player the ability to start weight-bearing and start doing range of motion exercises pretty much right away or, or very shortly after surgery as compared to older types of surgery that would use screws and, and plates and pins and all that. That being said, it's still usually like Tua was, came back in four weeks and that was remarkable. But the difference, there's a cut, there's three, to me, there's three distinct differences with Tua's situation and with Cup's situation. One, Tua was 20 at the time. Cooper Cup was 29. Those nine years make a big difference in, in recovery. I, I get it. Cup is an animal. Like he returned from his ACL injury so fast and was so effective, but still nine years makes a difference. Tua was a quarterback. Cup is a wide receiver. Receivers need to run a lot more, cut a lot more, do a lot more athletic things that involve a fully functioning ankle. Tua was playing for a national championship. In four weeks from now, I don't know that the Los Angeles Rams are going to be playing for anything. So from a strictly healing standpoint, I, I do think Cup has potential to return and to play pretty, pretty well this fantasy-relevant season. I don't think he's going to, though, because I think the Rams are going to continue to stink and have absolutely no reason to play him when he comes off of IR. And since Cooper Cup is going to be out and the Rams are going to continue to stink, 
my fantasy football team might not continue to stink. I'm six and four, fighting, fighting, and fighting. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't like my outlook right now. And just the Rams themselves, man. I think they're going to be so miserable. They go from bad to absolutely atrocious. I think you're going to start seeing Rams games with totals at like high 30s, low 40s. This week they're over under 38.5. Tom, how ironic would it be if Allen Robinson turns into a league winner after all the negativity and talk about him? Who knows? Tom, you mentioned, I think you tweeted about Van Jefferson. We're curious to see if he can get it done. Listen, we don't know. I think if you have Higby, you're in luck. I think he's going to be force-fed. Last week, albeit without Stafford, Higby was 8 for 73. And here's one last implication there, and then we'll actually talk about Stafford. I think as the Rams continue to lose, Kyron Williams is going to continue to get more involved in this backfield. He looked pretty flashy, mostly in garbage time, but he looked okay. One rush for nine yards, three catches for 30 yards. If they're out of it and they're throwing in the towel and Cup doesn't come back, Kyron Williams come fantasy playoff time could be a dude that's fed the ball 15, 18, 20 times a game. Another really good, we told you to pick him up weeks ago, um, but I think he's a guy that you should stash. And maybe if your friends aren't listening to this, try to take a risk and trade for him. I really like him. Um, 100% agree with you there. It's yeah. not it's not a lock, but it's a, you got nothing to lose and it's got upside. Nothing's a lock. So we're just going to go ahead and take risks where we need to. And I'm going to have to take risks myself. How about Matthew Stafford? Uh, concussion. He actually pr- looks like he practiced today. I think he practiced fully today. I don't even know that it matters. <laughs> He's quarterback 26 on the year. I mean, it doesn't matter for him necessarily, but maybe it matters if you want to play Allen Robinson or Higney, but looks like he's okay this week, right, Tom Stafford? Yeah, he'll play in all likelihood, um, but I'm not going to start him anywhere. I don't have him anywhere, and I don't want him anywhere. He should be a free agent in every league. And by the way, to add insult to injury, the Rams also lost their right guard, Chandler Brewer, with a torn MCL, and their left tackle, Alaric Jackson, who has blood clots. We're not going to talk about their injuries, but they are in absolute shambles right now. As is our good friend Jerry Judy, uh, maybe not in shambles, but a mild ankle injury. Judy right now, wide receiver, 36 on the year. Listen, he's sprinkled in a few good weeks, but otherwise he's really been hit or miss. What are fantasy and injury implications for Jerry Judy? He was carted off, which is usually not good, but then it was quickly reported that it's not an Achilles tear. It was reported as... An injury to the back of the ankle, but not an Achilles tear. So, of course, the Achilles is the big one that we don't want. More reports coming in later were saying that it's a muscle behind the ankle. So, with there, you have the two calf muscles, the gastrocnemius, which is the big one that you can visibly see. Underneath that is one called the soleus, and that really comes right behind the ankle. So, that's what I'm kind of thinking is involved. There's also some smaller ones, the flexor digitorum and flexor hallucis longus and the fibularis longus, to name a few of them. Those are smaller. Those can sometimes be involved, especially the um, the uh, the um, the flexor ones. Um, they can sometimes be involved, but this sounds more like a soleus injury to me, which is can be classified as a calf injury. So that's obviously very relevant with running because you run in that plantar flexed position where your, your foot's kind of pointed down, you run on the balls of your feet. That's constantly having the calf muscles activate and push really, really, really hard. Interestingly, we see a major decline in fantasy output in wide receivers in their first game after calf injuries. 5.6 fantasy points below their pre-injury average. And Joe, this isn't a tiny sample size. This is a sample size of 16. Only one out of 16 has met or exceeded their pre-injury fantasy average in the first game after a calf injury that's six percent real curious who was that one do you have it in front of you um i can pull it up as we continue to talk but you're really huge amount of five is usually we see with injuries two or three or five is major with such a big sample and usually we see like we usually see 25 to 35 percent still are able to perform at their pre-injury uh, baseline, but in this case, the only one who did was oh, give me a classic name. Oh, you can guess for sure. Oh, my guess, I have no idea. Guess. So, I'll, I'll give you a hint. Andre Hopkins, no, but you're close. I'll give you a hint. Uh, it was 2017. 
Demarius Thomas, Des Bryant, no, no, Brandon Marshall. No, who's who's like the best receiver of the of that decade? Antonio Brown. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, he just defies everything, including my Twitter timeline. I unfollowed him <laughs> recently. Um, so just some more implications there with Judy, dude. Cortland Sutton was a guy that I loved coming out of SMU, but he just hasn't proven he could do it in the long term. I don't know what it's going to take for him to be a wide receiver one. Um, Javante's hurt. Jerry Judy's hurt. Tim Patrick preseason hurt. Hamler now injured. I don't even know if it's on Sutton. It's probably just on Russell Wilson and that offensive line. And of course, the terrible play call. I think Wilson, I looked up his contract again today just because I wanted to upset myself. $245 million contract. I think Russell Wilson should actually donate half of that back to fantasy football players and people that have to just see his name daily. <laughs> I looked this up too, cause I'm just a huge nerd. 50 million people play fantasy football worldwide. So uh, Russell Wilson can actually, if he gives about half his salary, he can pay a $2 retribution for every fantasy player in the world to ease their pain and suffering from watching the, the absolute laughing stock of the Broncos this year. It's been bad news. 50 million people. That's amazing. I, I saw sporadic numbers. I saw 40, 50, 60 or so, but, and then in 1990, it was like 200,000. It's just, it's just going <laughs> to keep going up, man. Oh right? yeah. You know, so, all right. A couple left. We got Keenan, Mike Williams, Najee Harris, Mark Andrews, Gus Edwards, and Joku Juju Smith. Again, we're going to try to get through these ones a little bit quicker, but Keenan, a lingering hamstring might come back. Who knows? And Mike Williams has been out since I think week seven or eight or so. Uh, with an ankle injury. So what are the charger implications here? Allen limited today in practice. I don't trust him at all. He's already had numerous hamstring injuries this season. We know that they tend to recur, especially if they've started having recurring injuries in the same season. Just reminds me of Julio Jones last year and year before. And it, it's it's a bad situation. There, there's no way they're going to give him a full workload whenever he does return. They're going to slowly ease him back in, and I just don't trust him really for the rest of the season until he proves otherwise. Even when he does come back, like I said, they're not going to give him a full workload, and receivers average 2.8 points below their pre-injury baseline with only 25% meeting or exceeding that. Mike Williams, on the other hand, also limited. He'll be about four weeks post-injury by... Sunday, which is pretty much right on track. Receivers average missing 4.4 games with a high ankle sprain. Again, I doubt he would see a full workload if he plays. The high ankle sprain is going to impact his explosiveness, so sprinting and jumping. And you know he loves those acrobatic leaping catches. It's going to be harder for him, at least initially. Receivers score 2.4 points below their pre-injury average in the first game back. Hard to trust either of these guys. Agreed totally. Williams was a wide receiver one when he went down, but I think we need to wait and see. Keenan hasn't played since week seven, uh, where he had two catches in 11 yards, and before that hadn't played since week one. So as much as we want to get these guys and force them into our lineups, I agree totally with you, Tom. How about Najee Harris? All I saw was knee discomfort. Uh, welcome to the club, Najee Harris. My knees kill me every day, Tom. I need you to pop by and see what the hell's going on with my 30 year old body, <laughs> but what's up with it is knee discomfort. Is that like a real diagnosis or his knees are hurt? What, what, what's happening with that? I'm, I'm not even worried about this at all. He practiced, practiced fully today. Um, not, not something that we need to really get into. All right. Easy enough. He's RB 27 on the year. Pretty big disappointment. Tom, crazy question for you. Will Jalen Warren get drafted <sighs> before Najee Harris next year. Is that crazy? Is that absolutely crazy? I'm sorry. I sneezed. I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> Will Jalen Warren, <laughs> I did hear that. Will Jalen Warren get drafted in fantasy before Najee Harris next year? Is no, there a world no, where no, that no. ever happens? I don't think so. You sure? Najee, 3.6 yards a carry this year. I love that stat. Warren, 5.0 yards per carry this year. I refuse <laughs> to believe that Najee Harris is this decade's version of Trent Richardson. Yes, the Trent Richardson argument's bad. I All refuse right. to believe that. All right, that's fair. How about Mark Andrews? Shoulder and knee. He was limited today on Wednesday as we're recording. So he missed a week and then had a bye, and he's still tight end too. What a disgusting position. <laughs> Before you go, Tom, I think you know, you're going to tell us if we should play him or if he's going to be around. But you guys at home know the drill. I'm going to cut Tom off and steal his thunder because I bet he was going to say this. 
If he's not good to go, I'll let you say it, Tom. Who do we fire up? Isaiah Likely, whose alma mater is the ranked number 23rd Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. All right. What's Monmouth ranked, Joe? Monmouth is ranked 23rd in highest tuition and greenest grass and the most average most things. <laughs> what? I don't know. I'm trying to make us sound good, but it's we're average at best. All right. Tell us about Mark Andrews, would you? <laughs> oh boy. He was, uh, by the way, have you seen coastal's teal turf? It's sick. Yeah, but they should get rid of it for grass. Yeah, but it looks really cool. All right. Fine. Uh, limited in practice today, shoulder and knees. Like you mentioned, Baltimore's optimistic. He's going to play. Um, if he and he probably will, will he be 100% snap share? Probably not, with kind of working him back from the injuries, but also with how well Isaiah likely has been playing. However, tight ends, all they need to do is score a touchdown and they're going to get you more points than most of them. The tight end field is so thin and Andrews is so dominant that if he is going to play, you're going to play him. If you can find a tight end that has a pulse and who can walk and chew gum, you should probably deploy him into your starting lineup for this week. <laughs> okay, last three. Gus Edwards, hamstring. Thank goodness he was back at practice today. He is really, really good when he is healthy and when he plays. Um, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind, man, that when he is back and healthy, he is going to take Drake's role quicker than you can ever imagine. Um, I think they're going to continue to play ahead. They're a 6-3 and three team in the playoff hunt. Is Gus okay though? Is he is he looking like he'll be fully healthy this week, next week? What are your thoughts, Tommy? He's back to practice, limited capacity. But keep in mind, when coming off the ACL injury, it's not just risk for re-injuring the ACL; it's risk for really any other lower body injury is increased that following season. Um, but I agree, he looked really, really good when he was playing. And the hamstring injury typically doesn't really impact running backs that negatively when they return. Average only in a decline of 0.7 points, which is hardly anything. So when he plays again, not really concerned that he's going to see much of a decline in his fantasy production. Um, And I agree. I think he's going to step into the lead back role. Absolutely should and well-deserved. David Njoku, ankle. Can we expect him back this week? I saw that he was supposed to play last week and then he was a scratch. But how about this week? You looking any better? Not practicing to start the week. Don't expect him to play, but he's probably getting close. The initial reports were two to five weeks. This will be week four. Um, but again, this type of injury, you know, it impacts explosiveness, which Ninjoku, he's a pretty athletic tight end. That said, it's, you know, it's not like he's running routes like a wide receiver. He, a tight end has the advantage of being a big body. So they can use their body to get open as, as well as athleticism. Tight ends average missing 4.6 games, and they do see a decline of 3.7 points when they return. But again, considering the landscape of tight ends, that might still be warranting a start. <laughs> this is officially now, we had an Isaiah Likely show a couple weeks back. This is officially the tight end show, uh, or the lack of tight end show, yeah, we might call it. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, and Joku was good, man. He was, he was certainly a tight end one when he was out there. Here's um, the other thing to think. Watson's coming back soon, next week. That's a great, I, I'm as much as I don't like him as a human. Um, well, yeah, I'm not it's gonna, going to be not fun to disagree there. It's going to be fun to watch him and watch how that impacts DPJ, Donovan Peoples Jones, Cooper. and Cooper. Um, I think everybody this week, just a little, a little contrary, I think everybody this week in DK is going to pick, and now Vince here is in the league. Uh, I think everybody's going to go DPJ because he's been good. This is going to be a Cooper week. Mark my word on that. But he's been boomer bust. But Cooper, of course, who I told you to drop in the beginning of the season. <laughs> How outrageous was that? What a horrible <laughs> take that is from from your host. Um, he's been real good. Um, well, you know, Joe, it was it was your first regular season week of hosting a podcast. There's a learning curve. There, there was certainly a learning curve. I wanted to to come on the scene hot, and I did just the opposite of that. All right, Juju Smith Schuster, our final injury. He has a concussion and. Not great news is that he did not practice today. Now, I just want to add in this as well. Nicole Hardman, we don't have to talk too much about him, but he also did not practice today either with an abdomen injury. So a lot of implications there. 
So what what do you see, Tom, about these guys? Uh, Juju missed practice today. That's not a good sign for playing this week. We'll have to monitor, but keep in mind the NFL has their protocol that you have to hit, and it's hard to hit it if, if you're not practicing on Wednesday. Um, Hardman's abdomen is interesting. I think I saw somewhere that it's an abdomen illness is how it was reported, which is interesting. And I don't know if that means he has some sort of inflammation in one of his organs going on or appendicitis or something like that. I, I don't I don't have much to give on that one. We'll have to keep keep reading. I have a lot to give on that one. It's Kadarius Tony week. That is a lot. Um, I think he, if both of them don't play. Somebody's got to go to town on that offense. Mahomes is going to want to throw three and four touchdowns. Kelsey will catch his two. Maybe Pacheco one out of the backfield or something. But, dude, Tony might be Tony time. Might be Tony season. All right. Might be. That wraps up our injuries, guys. Thanks for bearing with us here. Now we got a, a couple quick things to do here at the end of our show as Vin Vento joins us. What's up, Vin? What's happening? Hey, what's up? Happy to have you. All right. A couple mailbag questions here, then our start sit, and that will conclude our show this week. So first one was actually injury related. Great. When will Chase be back? That's the question all the owners have been asking who have Chase. Tom, what do you think, man? I think you alluded earlier that you still think another what, two or three weeks. I saw that he originally ESPN projected him to score points this week. They expected him back. Now he's back to zero two days later. Um, I'm playing against him. So I was excited to see that, but um, you don't think so, Tom, what do you, what are your thoughts? The report like yesterday or the day before was saying that he's still using crutches. That is, he's not playing this week if he's still using crutches today. Okay. Yesterday he was projected for 17 point something points. And I thought, I don't know what was going on. So it must have been like a college intern that screwed up or something at ESPN. Yeah. But if he's still using crutches, it tells me that he's either not full weight bearing, which you can't play football if you're not full weight bearing. Or he's still having quite a bit of pain that it's impacting his ability just to walk. So I would expect at least two more weeks of him not playing at all, followed by a slow ramp up when he does return. So I think it's another four weeks before we see the Jamar Chase that we know and love. So that's going to set him up to help you make your, your run in the playoffs. So this is a a unique time for fantasy players. You need to look at your current situation. If you're a lock to make the playoffs, go trade for him. If you have him and you need to win this week, trade him. You have to just make the playoffs and absolutely anything can happen. Get there, get there, do whatever you need to do right now to get there. I'm agreeing wholeheartedly with you, Tom. All right. Another question. This one was from our, our good pal, Joe Burst. Tough question. This week, Paris Campbell or Christian Watson? I'm going back and forth, guys. I'm conflicted. I'll go first here. I think Campbell's a fine player. He's had some huge weeks. Dude, Paris Campbell's last five weeks, 15.2, 18, 8.1, then a bad 2.6. Last week, 17.1. Watson a little more boom or busty, really did nothing all year. And then last week, oh my gosh, man, four for 107 on eight targets, which is good. And the three touchdowns. What's selling me on Watson is that I watched the whole game and I watched it again. I watched the main highlights. Rodgers targeted him multiple times on crucial fourth down plays. He trusts him, man. And Watson, again, had a couple drops in the beginning of the game. So that line could have been even, even better. I like Campbell. Gun to my head, it's super close. I'm a little bit biased because I do like Watson already. I'm going to go Watson this week. Tom, what do you think, man? Completely agree for the reason you stated. It seems like Rodgers is starting to get comfortable with him. Um, I actually have Watson on a uh, best ball team, so I got to take advantage of that until I ended up losing by two-tenths of a point because uh, because of Brian Robinson on Monday night. Not because of a Devontae Smith fumble, though. No, not not that fun. <laughs> okay. All right, Vin, who do you got on that one? Paris Campbell or, or Christian Watson? That's a tough one. It is, but I'm going to agree with you guys. Uh, I'm going to go with Watson, especially this week. Uh, the matchup's much better playing at home against the Titans tomorrow or when you're listening to this Thursday. And uh, Paris Campbell at home against the Eagles. Um, just 
trusting Watson a little bit more. Forgot that that was tomorrow. Love that. I get to get home, watch Christian Watson, hopefully eat. All right. Our last one. Are we still hot? What great wording for this question. Are we still hot on Foreman? <laughs> uh, I'm, I am. I'm hot on him. I'm toasty on, on, on Dante Foreman. I think they fully trust him now. I think he's clearly better than Hubbard. So I'm to answer your question. I'm hot on him. Tom, are you, are you, are you warm on Hubbard? Toasty, cold? Scorching on Foreman. All right. Vin, what, what's your, what's your temperature on Foreman? Uh, I'm not as hot on Foreman. I actually traded him away in a league yesterday. Uh, I just look at it as he played the Falcons two out of the last three weeks. And that was his big weeks. Obviously that first week he started against Tampa Bay he went off, but so did Hubbard. I, the Bucks were just having a weird week. I don't know. Uh, against the, he's not going to play the Falcons every week. He's done with them. They're off his schedule. So Baltimore, Denver next two weeks, then a bye. Might not be doing much until the playoffs when he plays Pittsburgh and Detroit weeks 15 and 16. So if you can hold on until then, then I'll be hot on him again. But for now, I'd say lukewarm. All right, me and Tom looking sitting in Florida around the mid '80s. Vin is living in uh, in Minnesota right now, in, in the '40s, and eh, maybe not Minnesota. Vin, Vin's like a, a Virginia guy, yeah, right Virginia, now, maybe in the '50s yeah. and '60s. All right, well, what part of Florida are we in? Uh, not southern. We're like we're no. like Jacksonville. No, uh, well, I you, do love Jacksonville. You might be in Cuba with him, or you might be in the Bahamas or, or no, somewhere. Key, in, Key West. I'm at I'm at Rick's in Key West right now. Oh my goodness. And just like that, I am excited and, and aroused and, and ready to, uh, to, <laughs> to party back in Key West. All right. Um, all right, fellas, our last segment here is the start sit segment. I heated up last week a little bit, did decently. I had Pickens to start. He got in on a rushing touchdown, had 13. So I'll take that. I sat Sutton. He was average at best. He had 9.6. So I'll take, I'll take half points on that. But this week, again, I'll try to keep it simple, pretty straightforward. I'm going to start as much as we hate it on the Rams, I'm going to start Allen Robinson this week. Of course, he's not Cooper Cup. Absolutely not. But listen, if you paid up for him on the waiver wire, I think we, he went in our league for 40 something dollars out of a 150 or 200 budget. I think it'll pay off for you. Simply put, the ball's got to go somewhere, guys. And Ben Skaronic, I don't think he's him, as the kids are saying. He can only do so much. Agrob has been consistent with targets. He's been five, six around there. If he sees upwards of another an extra two targets, maybe eight, nine targets, I think he'll be pretty successful this week. I'm not looking for him to go off, but I think he's a pretty, pretty safe, maybe wide receiver two or flex play. I'm sitting Damian Harris. He's expected back this week. I think people are going to be tempted to shove him in their lineups. He's had some nice games this year, but I think we can all agree. Hopefully this is now Ramondre's backfield. I think he's officially lost that job. Harris, you might see getting 30, 35% of the carries or 35% of the snaps. But again, I, I think Ramondre is that guy. Uh, Jets defense. Listen, shout out to you, Finn, and the Jets. They've been a pretty stout defense. I'm staying away from Harris. I'm even slightly tempering my expectations on Ramondre Stevenson. What do you got, Tom? Who's your start sit of week 11? Yeah, just to recap, last week I started Dante Foreman in his 21 points, and I sat DeAndre Swift in his measly 7.7 points. So on a scale, Tom, you are are hot you might be yeah, like, like like south america or, or africa well depends where in those places <laughs> but you're near the equator tom why don't you keep there and, and don't come back north okay I'll, okay i'll just go to like ecuador right now or something Yeah, go hang out with you okay you learned spanish earlier in the year so <laughs> <off> for you. <laughs> i'm gonna start darnell mooney this week uh, we're watching justin fields develop before our eyes right now and they play Atlanta, who has the worst pass defense in the league from a fantasy perspective. I think Mooney will have a, a really, really nice week. And I'm actually going to sit James Conner. I know he's getting, he had 96% of snaps last week. But San Fran has a number one rush defense, possibly Colt McCoy again, which means the offense isn't going to be quite as effective as if Kyler was there. And um, I just think this defense is, is going to, shut him down that is crazy maybe crazy oh. enough to even work like the time you told us to sit eckler and it actually worked although no one probably listened and actually <laughs> sat eckler but no, Tom, I, I cannot fade you because you've been that red hot this year on this start sit segment so hoping oh, for yeah. you you keep it up all right oh. ben. yeah i jokingly sent a uh, screenshot of tom my team with eckler said who should i sit him for and i should have sat him for somebody so <laughs> 
It was right. Uh, so I've been very bad at this. Well, not bad. I would say that my sits have been sittable. My starts have also been sittable. So whoever I say is probably going to stink this week. I have um, to say, before you go, this is hard, guys. I want you all out there to come up with a start sit in your mind. And it can't We got we try to challenge the norm a little bit and be a little bit different, but it's not easy. But go ahead, Ben. No, Maybe so, you'll hit yeah, this week. Last I hope week you was do. starting Kate Otten. He put up five points, sat. Uh, who was it? Oh, the entire Broncos uh, backfield, and they didn't do anything. So there you go. Right. Uh, so this week for starting, it's going to be Brian Robinson. He's in a 50-50 timeshare with Gibson right now, but uh, against the Texans, that should be just fine anyway. Uh, the commanders run, 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 run again, and against the Texans, that w- that's what you can do. Worst run defense in the league, so I expect a big game from Brian Robinson this week. And my sit, it's very funny you said it's a Cooper week because I don't think it is. Uh, I'm sitting oh, on Cooper. This one's a little more narrative-based, but bear with me. So in away games this year, Amari Cooper is averaging four and a half fantasy points per week <laughs> in uh, four away games. Now you might say, oh, maybe they're playing good defense that week. I looked it up, and not really. He played Atlanta. As Tom just said, the worst pass defense. Baltimore, 27th against fantasy wide receivers. Carolina, 23rd against fantasy wide receivers. And Miami, middle of the pack last week, giving up uh, 16th most, but right in the middle. Fantasy wide receivers, it's also going to be cold, windy, and possible snow in Buffalo this week, so not a lot of passing going on. I'm going to sit Amari Cooper because he hates playing on the road. What an interesting narrative that is indeed. All right, fellas, another really, really great show. Vin, thanks for popping in. Tom, thanks as always for your awesome, insightful analysis. So that wraps it up for today. Thank you guys for listening to the Fantasy Injury Team podcast, and we'll see you soon.